It is my honor to bring the Devon Mills. The Lord allowed our paths to cross a few years ago, and he has become a very dear friend, a man in whom I trust and rely on with his wisdom. And I promise you tonight, you are going to be blessed. Now, you're going to be blessed because it's the Word of God. But you're going to be blessed by the ministry of Brother Mills tonight. So I want to right now to receive Brother Mills as he comes to the pulpit. Pulpit. Clap your hands to the Lord, everybody. Give God the praise. Praise God. He's great. He's greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Should you turn to Genesis chapter 2? I'm going to be reading from verse 20 there. I want to say uh, quickly a few thank yous. First off, thank you, First Pentecost, wonderful saints that work tirelessly so that all of us can absorb and be blessed by all that happens here. So thank you in that regard. Thank you personally from my family for the love you've shown us over the last several years. This is kind of a home away from home, and we love and appreciate you, and thank you for all of that. Thank you uh, to the preachers that have preached before me. Such great word of God you've heard this week thus far. Uh, thank you so much for the Nathan Holmes. I love you. I consider you one of my dear, dear friends. Couldn't even adequately describe how we feel about you and your wife, but we love you. Thank you, Brother Holmes, for the invitation to be here. Very humbled by the invitation. Thank you so much. It's good to be in the house of God tonight. I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Urson preach. And if you have not heard him, I'm excited that you're going to get the chance to hear him, one of the greatest preachers uh, you'll ever hear. And I'm excited to be here with him tonight and all of these other great men of God. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 20 says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So there was not a help meet. Most translations say help mate, and that's the word I'm going to use tonight. There was not a help meet for Adam, not a helpmate for Adam. And I want to preach just a little bit tonight about the helpmate. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. There is absolutely no doubt that the God we serve is an all-powerful God. God can be anything. God can make anything. God can do anything. God can lift up lowly, lowly men and exalt them and turn them into kings and rulers and presidents and powers. Uh, he can take a king and bring, he can bring him down to being nothing more than a commoner or a peasant. He can take seas that exist and roll them up and make a path of dry ground for the people he loves to walk through. He can drown entire armies of enemies in those waters. God can make the sun stand still. 
God can stop the earth from rotating on its axis. God can multiply oil and mill for two years just for some random widow and her son so that they'll be sustained. God can multiply oil and fill up vessels over and over and over again so two boys, we don't even know their name, can stay out of prison. Uh, God can raise people from the dead. God can make it rain. God can stop the rain. With his word, God can hold up the powers of the waters above our head. Um, God knows, he's just amazing. He knows the exact number of the hairs on our head. He doesn't just count them and have a quantity, but he knows for all of you men that are married to Pentecostal women, he knows that when you pulled that hair out of your sock tonight, what number it was that you got. And all the apostolic husbands said amen. Because God can just do things like that. If I was at my home church, my, uh, the, the sign I make for God is he's just... Because you just, you run out of things to say what God is. He's just... You, you just can't really say what all God is. He can forgive sins. He can save. He can heal. He can deliver. He can provide. And on and on we could go with the list of things God can do. But I'm going to say something right here at the outset of what I'm preaching tonight. It's shocking. Stay with me and I'll tell you what I mean by it. But it's not even my interpretation of things. It's truth that is stated in Scripture. That this all-powerful, omnipotent, can-do-anything God Sometimes he is not enough. There is just a truth that God himself stated that sometimes I'm not enough. God, again, there's nowhere that his all-powerful omnipotence as well as this self-proclaimed insufficiency, is more visible than in the acts of creation that we find in Genesis. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now my mind runs in crazy circles, and I just got to thinking about this. I was reading through it one day, and I thought, thought, you know, he had never done that before. And I wonder if he said, You know, if he's just kind of sitting there on his throne and he said, let there be light. And it was, and he was like, dude. And then he started saying things like fish, chicken, and just seeing what happened by the power of his word. Because God can do anything. And it it, it didn't really work that way. Don't worry about it. He knew what was going to happen. But God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said. That's good. And then God called the dry land earth and the waters he gathered together and he called them the seas. And he looked at that and said, that's good. And he spoke. He just spoke. He didn't work hard at it. He didn't get his hands dirty. He spoke and there was grass and there were herbs and that could, there were... There was fruit that produced and the seed for the, the fruit inside of it. That's ingenious in and of itself. And, and God did all of these things. And he stepped back and he said, this is good. Yeah. 
I'm doing a really good job here. And he made two great lights and he called, had one rule the day, one rule the night. They separated the day from the night and he sat back and he said, that's good. And he made birds and fish and whales and he said, that's good. And he created man and that was good. And he created all the other creatures. And on the sixth day when he had finished with all of it, he stepped back and said, I did a good job. That's just plain good. And, 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 and then God rested. He said, I did so good, I'm going to take a day off. Because it's just good what I've done. And, and he rested. And then he comes back and he creates Eden. And then he just starts having fun. And he creates Eden, and, and, and from Eden he puts four great rivers in. And he, it's like he just kind of ran his finger down through the dirt and said, hey, let's, let, let's do this right here. And then he, uh, he fills Eden, the Bible says, with, with gold and precious metals and stones. And, and there's a mist that sits over it so that it doesn't get hot and humid and it doesn't rain. And it's just this perfect environment. And, and God just keeps doing good things. And he takes this man that he had create, created in his image and he breathed, he had breathed life into him. And Adam wakes up and he brings Adam and he puts him in this garden that he had created. And he says, Adam, all of this is good and it all belongs to you. Now you get, I want to really right here, I want you to get a picture of the relationship that God has here. He takes the only living human being there is. And he puts him in a perfect environment. And he says, it's, it's good. It's yours. Name it. Do what you want to do with it. And every single day, I'm going to show up. And we're going to walk. And we're going to talk. Now you get the picture of this. Adam didn't start having a time of devotion. God said, I'm going to show up and talk to you. It wasn't depending on Adam being there. God said, I want a relationship with you and I'm going to show up and I'm going to walk and I'm going to talk and I'm going to explain it and we're going to name it and we're going to enjoy it because it's good, Adam. And I'm God and I did it all for you and this is the kind of relationship we're going to have. And with all of that perfection and without sin, without evil, without anything to uh, place a barrier or a restraint between God and man, God looked down. Notice, Adam did not complain about his relationship with God. Adam did not, not say, I don't even think you'd use my name. And he never said those words. You've whined them just like that in your head. Somewhere along life's journey. Adam didn't do that. And God, who's showing up, and Adam's got access to all these things, God looks down. And God said, I did a lot of good. Everything I did was good. But there's one thing that is not good. It is not good that Adam is alone. So you get in mind that the all-sufficient, all-powerful, almighty God, that God, 
that had given Adam his undivided attention. And even though God was saying, I walk with him, I talk with him, I gave Eden to him, all the flowers, trees, animals, fruit, all those things. It's for his pleasure. We enjoy it together. As good as all of that is, it's not good. He's alone. How, how can he be alone? Because And if you've got God, you've got all you need. But wait, that's our theology. God didn't say that. God was the one showing up. And God said, it's not good that he's alone. Adam wasn't complaining about being alone. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And so, as crazy as that sounds, I mean... It's one thing to think that God is not enough. I don't know that I've ever verbalized that I thought God was not enough. Because you just don't say things like that. But, but But for God to say it, that that's pretty... Pretty amazing that God would look at, I mean, you look at the amazing things God did. The sun, the moon, the stars, all of the amazing works of creation. And God said, all of this is so good and this is so perfect, yet this one aspect is not good. And so God comes along and he says, I'm going to make a helpmate for him. Now we look at what Eve is to Adam in view of after the fall. But that's not the way God looked at at Eve. God did not, uh, God God wasn't looking at it the way we look at it. The way this word helpmate is used, it's very, very powerful because it's not used, he wasn't giving Adam a sidekick. And he was not giving Adam a subjective partner. God didn't think that Adam needed somebody to do the laundry or to cook or because he couldn't iron. That wasn't what Eve was all about. But God, the way the word helpmate is used there in Scripture, uh, it's used in the same way that God uses other phrases when he divinely inspired his word and spoke to those who penned it, uh, where he interjects himself into situations Uh, for the people that he loves and he cares about. It's the exact same word that's used when God interjects himself with Gideon and his 300 men to fight against an army of 120,000. He said, I'm going to do something here where I insert myself and I take what is small and insignificant and I make it greater than the circumstance that it is going to be up against. It's the same thing that took that rock from the slingshot of a little boy named David and it guided it to the forehead of a man named Goliath and it put him dead on the ground. It's the same way that God interjected himself with Shammah when he defended his being filled and with Samson doing his mighty acts and with Eleazar when he fought the Philistines. That's what God was doing when he made a helpmate for Adam. And so when God gave Eve to Adam, he was giving a physical creation 
in which he himself would be interjecting himself into Adam's life so that when Adam was joined with his helpmate, God was present in a way. When Eve reached out and put her hand on Adam's arm, it was for when the divine visitation of God was not physically present. But there was something given to Adam to let him know I'm just as present now as I am when you tap into me and I show up to walk with you in the cool of the day. When Adam felt alone, when it wasn't the cool of the day, when Adam felt by himself and he reached over and touched that lady next to him, he understood God just gave me something. God just gave me someone. God just let me know that even though he's not here and I can't see him and I can't feel him, he has given me something to interject himself into my situation and my life and my circumstances and the problems that I might think. Now, I'm going to tell you something here tonight without hesitation. I do not doubt God. But I'm going to be extremely transparent in qualifying that statement and tell you that I do not doubt God in things eternal. I do not doubt my salvation experience. I have the Holy Ghost. I have spoken in other tongues and been baptized in Jesus' name. And by that process, according to Titus, he saved us. And I am saved and I have no doubt in where I'm going to spend eternity. I have no doubt that it will be better by and by. I fully believe that my sins have put it, been put as far from me as the east is from the west. That I am redeemed. That I am sanctified. That I am justified. I don't doubt those things. I believe those things. But I will also tell you tonight without reservation, without hesitation, that while I do not doubt God's power and ability and deity in things eternal or his present love for me in my day-to-day life, I will also tell you I do not understand God. I don't understand his ways. I don't understand his reasoning. I don't understand why he does things. And allows things to happen. You may understand. I don't understand why I've got a 24 year old boy in my church. That needs a kidney transplant. And he's been on dialysis since he's 19. I don't understand it. And I don't understand why some people's children die. And I don't understand why good saints of God die terrible deaths. And sinners live as though nothing is. I don't understand God sometimes. I don't doubt God. That doesn't diminish God in my mind. But I don't understand God all the time. And as disrespectful and sacrilegious as all this may sound, I'm just going to tell you that you're going to go through some situations in this life where the ethereal, infinite idea and box that we have put God into that God, that idea of God is simply not going to be, be enough. 
And I came to tell somebody tonight what God said in regard to this situation. Because God said, you're exactly right. And I agree. It's not good that you be alone. And so I am going to give to you a help meet. When you are alone and when you cannot see me and you cannot feel me and you cannot touch me, I am going to give a physical representation of my presence in your life. And as cliched as this may sound, I want you to look at the person to your left and to your right. And I want to understand that you've just laid eyes on with the idea it's, it's more than a bunch of us with some good things in mind but I'm going to tell you what you represent when you step across the aisle and you put your hand on that brother and sister's back you're the helpmate you're saying God is with you you may not feel him but I can sustain you with my prayers I can touch God for you I'm telling you tonight, it's the helpmate that God has put in this present world to connect where we are with where he is when we cannot see and when we cannot feel and when we cannot understand the things that we are going through. Where he is when we cannot see and when we cannot feel and when we cannot understand the things that we are going through. Is anybody thankful for the helpmate tonight? I'm telling you, I came to preach to my preacher friends and the saints of God that came here feeling broken and defeated and helpless and alone. You're not alone. Standing beside you is what God gave you to let you know I am with you. I am walking beside you. Look around. God is with you tonight. The helpmate has been given to you in the body of Christ. You're going to make it. God's going to sustain you. You hear me? When that brother steps across the aisle or that sister moves toward you at altar call and they put their little hand in the middle of your back, that's not some Pentecostal cultural habit. That's the helpmate. That's God moving his spirit inside of them to say, you let them know they're not alone. You let them know that as good as I am and as great as I am, I've given them something to understand. They can make it. They've got a helpmate. They've got someone walking beside them. The body of Christ tonight is the helpmate for when you feel alone. We can stand together. Musicians, you can come. Last night, I saw Brother Joel Booker. I didn't know he was going to be here. And when, when I saw him and I was thinking about tonight, something triggered my mind. I got up this morning and I looked back through my text messages and found the exact day that it happened. And on Wednesday, June 12th, I, I distinctly remember where I was driving through the city of Atlanta early that morning. It's between Claremont Road and North Druid Hills on 85 South. And I remember saying, God, I am so tired. 
please lay me on somebody's heart today. At 12.12 that afternoon, a little after 9 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast, Joel sent me a text that said, Devon, praying for you today. Love you. Was that an accident? You know what? I, I'm willing to bet there wasn't a big earthquake. There wasn't a shaking in the heavens. There wasn't a lightning bolt. But I'm going to tell you what just came through my phone at 12, 12 p.m. on June 12th of this year. The helpmate. They said, I heard you. And you're way over here. He's way over there. He's going to reach out. I gave Eve to Adam. And I gave the body to the church. It's more than just getting in a club. I'm telling you tonight. You're not alone in this place. You just look around you. I see thousands standing here together to say God is with you. God is sustained. I'm telling you the church means something to you tonight. The church isn't something to turn your back on. The church isn't anything to walk away from. Don't let God be diminished. Look around you and understand God gave this to me. God put this in my life. I want you to bow your heads. If it's appropriate, I want you to put your hand on the person next to you. When that hand touches your shoulder, I want you to understand God just reached out to you. The helpmate is here tonight. Come on. Come on. You don't know what the person standing next to you is going through. Come on. Be the helpmate to somebody. Come on. Be the helpmate for somebody. Come on. You're being God to somebody right now. You're touching someone that hasn't felt God in a long time. They don't know if God knows their name. I'm telling you, God has provided the helpmate tonight. Come on. Talk to God for somebody. Come on, God heard you when you prayed today. God heard you before you ever left for camp meeting when you said, God, I need a word from you. God, I need to know that you care. God, I need to know that you understand. That's what's happening right now. It's the helpmate. It's the helpmate. God has shown up in the person of the man and the woman standing next to you tonight. It is what God has given when you feel alone. Because it's not good we ever be alone. So he gave the helpmate. Come on, talk to God tonight. Oh, come on, minister to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. This is what God gave us to one another for. You are the helpmate to your brother. You're the helpmate to your sister.
It's about the body receiving strength from one another. Come on. Let's pray for each other right now.